What's going on, good people, and welcome to Live by the Three of Raptors podcast with your boy Curly. Give me a follow on the socials on Instagram at Live by the Period Number Three and on Twitter at Live by the Zero Three. Hit me up if you want to talk hoops or to get your daily Raptors fix. On February 9th, on a Friday night, the Raptors putting their three game win streak on the line, hosting an undermanned Utah Jazz. And I say undermanned because they are without some key players after that three-team deal. Russell Westbrook is not suiting up for them. Potentially a buyout candidate. Damian Jones did not suit up as well. Juan Toscano-Anderson. Also, Jordan Clarkson. He was out with a non-COVID illness. Needs to say, with the Raptors only having OG Ananobi out still dealing with that left wrist injury, Things were tilting in the Raptors' favor. However, if this season has taught us anything, that has not meant much, unfortunately. Whether the team's coming off a back-to-back situation, whether the team is healthy or not, it just seems like the Raptors just can't catch a break when it comes to a team being at a disadvantage or, I should say, taking full advantage of a team that is undermanned or might be fatigue from a game the previous night however the rafters were coming in with a new look with a familiar face they got their man at trade deadline yakker portal who was coming off the bench and not a surprising move but not the move that i probably would have done considering the matchup of dealing with the likes of walker kessler and kelly olenek and lori marketing i definitely thought that yakko would have got the start which I appreciate the fact that he's coming off the bench. He is familiar with the team, but has not been with the team. Precious has been given quality minutes as a starter. And as a form of respect, I can definitely appreciate their approach. But as the Raptors have done all season long, or have struggled with all season long, the size in the middle has been an issue. But you would have never thought so at the beginning of this game. Raptors got off to the hot start, being led by Pascal Siakam, who definitely looked to have a little pep in his step. He was definitely motivated after being named to the All-Star game as a reserve, so congratulations to Pascal, and he was looking at it as an All-Star early. The Raptors seemed like they found a new sense of focus. The way that they came out of the gate, the energy, the presence, the vibe, it looked like that trade was making all the difference without even Jakob stepping on the floor. And the Raptors got off to a fabulous start. The unfortunate thing, as the game went on, and as we've seen multiple times this season, what has worked for the Raptors in one quarter, they tend to stray away from it in the next quarter. And unfortunately, the inconsistencies that the Raptors have struggled with all season long were evident in tonight's game. So as we go into our negatives for this game, and there are so many ways that you can look at a game, especially in a loss. There's so many ways that you can pry away negatives and almost nitpick at almost everything to say or to justify reasons why the Raptors lost. But for me, I look at one simple factor tonight, and you probably guessed it. It was the defense. The defense was incredibly inconsistent tonight. As I mentioned multiple times, the softest part of the Raptors' defense is the middle of the paint. Whether it was off dribble penetration, whether it was in screen and roll action, whether there were lob threats at the rim, 
take your pick. The Raptors gave up 76 points in the paint. 76 points in the paint. And this was with Portal sitting on the bench. He only played 17 minutes tonight. And in his short role, he looked like a player that was still figuring things out. And we didn't expect an instantaneous fit right off the bat. But he did look comfortable. He did look good in some actions, especially in the pick and roll and off the dribble handoffs. He got to the line seven times, but... He's not a very good free throw shooter, and he only went two for seven, unfortunately. But the Raptors got beat back door. They got beat off the screen and roll action. One thing that I never understood all game long, and while they did do a great job running the Jazz off the three-point line, the Jazz shot six for 24 from three, but I never understood why they did not force Colin Sexton to be a jump shooter. Colin Sexton absolutely torched the Raptors' defense, whether it was Fred, Gary. He absolutely had a field day on Gary. Scotty Barnes, it did not matter. Colin Sexton found his way in the paint and to the rim. And say what you want with him pushing off with his off arm. The Raptors weren't disciplined. And I know it's very easy to say to stay in front of your man when you're dealing with a player of Colin Sexton's talent but when you are a an explosive athlete regardless if you stay in front of him you might not be able to keep up with him and with the way that the rules are in the NBA you won't be able to hand check him to keep him in front you can't really be physical with the offensive player so what was the easy solution there were a couple one you put Jakob Pertl in there the Jazz definitely were hesitant at times when Jakob was in the game and two you play off Colin Sexton you give him all the space in the world and force him to take a jump shot and the Raptors did no adjustments the little things the little details hand placement boxing out you name it it was inconsistent all game long the Raptors were trying to get those deflections and it just led to free throw opportunities for the Jazz now while the whistle definitely seemed to tilt in the Jazz favor late in the game. Both the Jazz and the Raptors shot 29 and 30 free throw attempts respectively. So we cannot put the entire game on the ref's inability to see the calls correctly, so to speak. But when it was all said and done, the Raptors gave up a 13 to 15 point lead in the fourth with five minutes left and they were outscored 39 to 20. One other negative I would like to add would definitely have to be the player management tonight. Pascal, Scotty, and Gary Trent Jr. all played 39 minutes. Freddie was a runner-up with 35 and Precious Chua with 31. The bench depth is clearly going to be an issue going forward. Now, hopefully, Jakob could get up to speed and we might be able to stagger minutes accordingly. And there's not too many games where I imagine that he's going to get five personal fouls. But going with a more traditional lineup by having a, a true center should allow Nick Nurse to manage his players properly. And unfortunately, we did not get that tonight. The Raptors simply ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. And there was nothing that they could have done differently. And while I tip my hat off to Masai and Bobby for addressing the need of getting a center, that only solved one of our problems going into this season, a problem from last season, but the bench depth continues to be the issue 
especially in games like this. When the starters are tired, you have no recourse. Hopefully, with the buyout market, that would change. Maybe we can bring back a Serge Ibaka, maybe a Terrence Ross, even a Reggie Jackson. Just somebody dependable, at minimum, at the guard spot to help alleviate these heavy minutes that the core five, unfortunately, have to log in on a game-to-game -game basis to increase our chances of winning a basketball game. So we shall see how that plays out. But tonight, this was definitely one of the uglier losses this season. However, even though it was an ugly loss, there is a positive to take away from this game tonight. And I want to tip my hat off to Pascal Siakam once again, who did his part in trying to lead the Raptors to victory. He came out hot out the gate and he was a consistent player all game long. The Jazz simply had no answer for him, thus reinforcing the idea of him being an all-star. He ended up finishing the game with 35 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals on 12 for 21 shooting, 5 for 7 from 3, and 6 for 7 from the free throw line. Pascal was everything you wanted tonight and more. And over the last couple of games, he's looked like the MVP caliber type of player that we saw in the early parts of the season. Is he about to go on a tear? Definitely looks that way, but it is clear that in order for the Raptors to be able to capitalize on these great performances, players outside of our core five need to be better. Our starting unit needs to be better in hopes of turning this season around. So with another fourth quarter collapse, regrettably, the Raptors lose to the Utah Jazz 122 to 116. The Jazz shot 47 for 87 from the field at 54%, 6 for 24 from 3 at 25%, and 22 for 29 from the free throw line at just under 76%. The Raptors shot 41 for 91 from the field at 45%, 12 for 34 from 3 at 35%, and 12 for 30 from the free throw line at 73%. The missed free throws definitely caught up with the Raptors tonight. As we look at the other stats, the rebounding battle edged in the Jazz's favor 46 to 40. The assist numbers were awfully close, 31 to 28 in favor of the Jazz. The Raptors did generate a lot of turnovers. They forced the Jazz into 17 turnovers, got 11 steals, and got 21 points off of turnovers to the Jazz 12. Fast break points. We know that's the Raptors' bread and butter. The transition game was on point. I'll give them credit. 22 to 8. But it was the points in the paint that made all the difference this game. They gave up 76 points and the Raptors only got away with 48. That's not going to get it done. Not to mention the Raptors getting 30 fouls this game. Giving the Jazz every opportunity at the free throw line. That's also not going to get it done. And like I said, the calls were definitely questionable. But if you ever leave the game in the ref's hands you deserve to lose and I definitely don't think that the Raptors did that tonight intentionally but the Raptors still come out on the losing end of tonight's game a very winnable game might I add so as we look at the starters tonight Pascal Siakam, Precious Achua, Scotty Barnes, Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. as I previously mentioned Pascal with an MVP caliber performance an all-star performance I should say 35, 6, and 4 solid game from Pascal. Precious Achua, a great game offensively from him. Defensively, there were some moments. The size of the Utah Jazz definitely caused some problems for him. Hence why I wondered why we couldn't benefit from Jakob a little bit more. I know he did get five personal fouls, but I would have 
almost preferred him to have fouled out and maximize his usage this game. But I, like I said at the top of the podcast, I understand the approach this game you want to reward. The players that have been playing well for you, 16 points for Precious, 4 rebounds, 4 assists. On 7 for 11, shooting 2 for 4 from 3, something that he has been struggling with as of late, the 3-point shot, and no attempts at the free throw line. Not a bad game from Precious Tachua. Scotty Barnes, not the game that I would have expected from him. I definitely thought that he would have taken more advantage of the matchups tonight. He was definitely playmaker Scotty, and he was definitely passive. And I've said multiple times that if this team is going to have any success, the two players that cannot be passive is Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi. And while he did get eight assists before the half, it was only on three shot attempts. He was not looking for a shot and he was trying to create opportunities and he did have success doing so. But when the Jazz were going on a run, especially in the second half especially in the fourth quarter you were definitely looking for the fourth quarter scotty takeover and unfortunately it was too little too late but he still flirted with a triple double 12 points seven rebounds nine assists on 5 for 14 shooting 0 for 3 from 3 and 2 for 2 from the free throw line i've said it before and i will continue to say it he needs to be more aggressive he needs to find that balance between playmaking and scoring the basketball we can't afford to have him to only be a distributor out there especially when the team is struggling offensively especially when we see only pascal doing the heavy lifting and i know that may be putting a lot of pressure on the second year player but we've also seen him answer the call when the game is on the line we saw it recently against the grizzlies where he went fourth quarter scotty and took over the game and had a great defensive stop leading the raptors to victory this is what he's capable of, and if the Raptors are going to have any chance of turning this season around, Scotty Barnes definitely has to be better. Not putting the onus on him, but he definitely can be better. Speaking of being better, Fred VanVleet, not a great shooting night. He didn't look great defensively either. It was definitely a rough game t- uh, tonight for Freddie. Had a chance to cut the deficit down to stretch or possibly tie the game and he airballed the three. It was just a terrible night for Fred Van Vliet. 17 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals on 4 for 13 shooting, 3 for 9 from 3 and 6 for 7 from the free throw line. Shot selection was definitely questionable at times but we've also seen Freddie hit those shots as well. I would have preferred for Freddie to settle a little bit less and try to be the facilitator that we've seen in these recent stretch of games but he saw what was happening with the Raptors he saw how stagnant the offense was getting and we've seen Freddie hit big shots and help lift the Raptors as they struggle with a scoring drought it just did not happen tonight just an off night for Freddie and Gary Trent Jr. in 39 minutes 19 points five rebounds four assists three steals one block on seven for 20 shooting two for nine from three and three for three from the free throw line again The shot selection wasn't the greatest. Defensively, did not look good. The Jazz were definitely hunting him down, hence why I felt that a different approach, a less aggressive approach, might have benefited the Raptors. On the defensive end, similar to Freddie, he struggled tonight. And while all five starters did score in double digits, it was not very efficient, and unfortunately, it was not very effective. As for the role players, Thaddeus Young, 12 minutes tonight, 4 points, 3 rebounds, 2 steals on 2 for 3 shooting. Thad just came in there and did his thing. 
he did cut down the turnovers in comparison to last game only one tonight decent game from Thaddeus Young Chris Boucher an off night for him was not able to get to his spots offensively was definitely active defensively but unfortunately was not enough 7.6 rebounds two blocks on two for six shooting 0 for one from three and three for four from the free throw line could have been the presence of Jakob that kind of affected his game could have been how the Jazz were dealing with him defensively and I want to lean more on that and the three-point opportunities weren't really there for him tonight and it definitely affected his game tonight Jakob Portal in his Raptors debut, 6 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 for 2 from the field, but 2 for 7 from the free throw line. Like I said, he looked like a player that was new to the team, trying to fit in. There were some moments. He did generate a lot of free throw opportunities. The Raptors were definitely looking to take advantage of his size and his ability to finish in the paint. The unfortunate thing is that he was sent to the line and he went two for seven like i previously mentioned i imagine that he will definitely be better he was trying to do it all especially on the defensive end and that's what you want from your rim protector you want the opposing defense to get tough shots and to make their living at the free throw line it's just unfortunate that the fouls accumulated rather quickly for him but i imagine that he will be better going forward and Malachi Flynn tonight, six minutes, no points, one assist, one rebound, one steal, and only one three-point attempt. Like I said, this was a very winnable game for the Raptors. It definitely seemed that the Raptors were going to run away with this game at the start. The unfortunate thing, their hot start cost them in the fourth quarter, and they had no gas in the tank, and ultimately dropped this one after losing a double-digit lead. Even though the win streak ended at three, They'll have a chance to start a new one on Sunday, February 12th, taking on the Detroit Pistons, another one of the bottom feeder teams. In an afternoon tilt, a 3 p.m. tip-off. We know the Pistons love playing the Raptors. We also know that Dwayne Casey loves playing the Raptors. A lot of history there. But this is a rebuilding team. This is a young team, an inexperienced team. The Raptors, on paper, are a better team and they should be able to take advantage of the Pistons with their experience. But the Pistons are a scrappy team, a lot of young guys looking to make a name for themselves, so the Raptors cannot take them lightly. But when I look at the keys to victory, I look at two particular keys. One, you have to win the rebounding battle. The Pistons have a lot of young athletic bigs. They traded for James Wiseman, so you can add that to their arsenal of their plethora of bigs. So you're going to have to box out. You're going to have to do the little things to keep them off the glass. They definitely have to be the better rebounding team. And hopefully Jakob can get to start that game. And the interior defense needs to be on point. They cannot afford to give up another 70 plus points in the paint to the Pistons. The Pistons tonight were able to score 62 points against the San Antonio Spurs tonight where they won in overtime. So they have the ability to get into the paint. They have the ability to finish in the paint. And if the Raptors are going to have any chance of beating the Pistons, they have to force them on the perimeter because outside of Boyan Bogdanovich, they're not a very good three-point shooting team. So if they are able to focus on those particular keys, get on the glass and clog the paint, the Raptors would definitely increase their chances of winning the basketball game. But if I am to add one more key to victory, close out the game. I know it's not their fault. I know you cannot help 
logging in heavy minutes. That's just the way the Raptors have been built. However, when the game is getting tight and if fatigue is settling in, you have to spread the wealth around. Isolation basketball is not a way to go. Find a way, dig deep, close out the game. If you have a hot start, you need to have a better finish. And that's it for me. Thank you to all listeners, new and old, for tuning in. I appreciate every single one of you. Hopefully, the Raptors will be able to clean things up and be ready to go on Sunday afternoon against the Pistons. Hopefully, the hot start will be matched with a fourth quarter closeout, but time will definitely tell. I imagine that they will learn from this. I imagine that they will stray away from the isolation ball and be more of a cohesive unit when the game is getting tight, especially in the fourth quarter. And hopefully when the buyout market is clear and when teams are able to sign, that the Raptors will be one of the few in front to address our bench depth. Because if the Raptors are going to have any chance of making a push, they're going to need some help coming off the bench. If you have not done so already, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It'll mean so much if you take the time to do so. The Live by the Three Raptors podcast trade deadline show is available on your favorite platforms. Myself and special guest KG, not to be confused with Kevin Garnett, break down the Raptors approach trade deadline, the Maasai presser, the winners and losers from the NBA trade deadline, and so much more. Check it out. It's an entertaining pod. You will not be disappointed. And until the next episode, everyone, please continue to stay healthy and stay safe. Good people. Peace.